This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The founder of this company, 10 years ago, was trying to sell his house. He's, you know, he's kind of an important guy. And he said to his wife, if this is what it's like for us, how do people who have no clout ever get around this? So he started a company and it went into business, I think, three years ago. Their deal is, their word is their bond. And they are people that listen to this show. They are just like you. Now, how can I say that? Because I'm the founder of the company. Realestateagentsitrust.com Ladies and gentlemen, Billy Hallowell and Chris Field, the church boys. From the sublime to the ridiculous, but mostly ridiculous. I hate these guys. Hey, Billy. Hey, Chris. Hey, Billy. Hey, Chris. I, uh, I hear the circus is coming to town this weekend. <laughs> My family is coming to town. <laughs> I, I, and I, and I know we're not gonna, we won't get into details, but you and I talked. But you and I talked <laughs> before the. Get into I am. I am. You and I talked before. Uh, <laughs> before we started to record. And the stories that you have, I could have a reality show. Makes it would me, be makes amazing. Me, makes me wish only for the stories. Makes me wish I had a crazy family. Um, there are benefits. There are benefits. Look, I, I actually think every Italian family is crazy. That's my theory. Uh, so, and if I've offended you, it was an intention. It was intentional Italians. Um, I am Italian, so I will say it. I, I think there's a oh, little man craziness and a lot of food. We're talking radio every, gold here, Billy. Every Italian family. Look, I feel I want. There's so many stories that I want to share, but you can't because you don't. I wanna, know, I know. You they're funny, and I think they they're funny, funny. But I don't know that the other people involved in the stories will find them funny. But they might find them funny six, twelve months from now, <laughs> when I write a tell-all book, maybe. <laughs> well, since our families don't listen to the show, you know, we could. T- well, that's not true. I think that some, somehow it would slip. Oh, of course. I mean, we've had your mother on several times, just recordings of her. <laughs> she sounds but. strangely like a feminized version of you. <laughs> I just don't know what you're talking about. Um, but so the circus is coming to town this weekend. And before we get into the other, your circus from yesterday, was it yesterday? Yeah, it was yeah, yesterday. Okay. Before we get into that, tell people why. I mean, it's kind of a nice little thing that's going on. What's going on that the circus is coming to town for? Well, we are going to dedicate. Our, well, first of all, we're infamous for waiting a very long time to dedicate our babies, our kids. We always we procrastinate yeah, and because wait. you've had this is your second child, so you've had <laughs> one other child dedicated. So you're not yes. infamous for it. You just happened to with the Fine. first We've one done it. wait until she twice. was four to have her. <laughs> We always wait until they're eight months. We waited eight <laughs> okay. months for Ava too. So Liliana is going to be eight months, and we are <laughs> dedicating her at church. And so my family is coming into town: my aunt, my uncle, my cousins, right. my mom, and my dad. And it's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, it, we love my cousins, and I are very close. They're a lot younger, actually. Mm-hmm. So they're still in high school. One's in middle school. Um, 
and but I'm very close with them. I've always been more like an uncle to them. Yeah, One yeah. is in college, so we're gonna hang out, and uh, they're gonna spend some time with the girls. So that'll be really nice. They're coming yeah, in tomorrow, be... but we've had some chaos with if... my parents. Not they weren't sure if they're gonna come. It'll be lovely, uh, <clears throat> and now they are coming. So, uh, yeah, I think I think it's gonna be it'll be fun. But this culminates after the church in a big like luncheon, right? That I'm overjoyed to pay for. So, <laughs> Chris spit out. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, I, it'll be a nice event. We did it. We, look, we did it for Ava. We're gonna do it for Lily, it and um, be you know, just to celebrate. But look, it actually is a good time. Yeah. For our family, right? That to, they're not Christians to hear a, a little bit about faith. Because so, there you go. Because this infant dedication ceremony is such a a big deal. <laughs> In your well, church. The, the, wait, they're not even going to be. Most of them are not going to be there because uh-huh. it's at the church, so we're not inviting everybody there. We're <laughs> wait, going wait, to wait, 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 wait! It's going to be at the church. Therefore, we're not going to invite all of our family <laughs> so, because they're we are embarrassing. Inviting all of our family too. It's a small church. If we invited all these people, we'd take up half the church. Yeah. I can't. I can't do it. So we're taking them to a restaurant after having a lunch, um, briefly talking about what the dedication was, what it meant. Sorry, you couldn't be there. But here's what it was. Sorry you couldn't we be loved. there. You weren't invited. <laughs> you were invited here for a free meal. That's right. And all you can drink soda, and it stops there. The rest is a cash bar. Um, I'm not buying booze at a dedication. Uh, I love that when I called the restaurant, I'm like, I'm having a dedication. They're like, right. okay, well, right. what else are people going to be drinking? I don't know. Water, maybe? They're getting soda and water, I guess. I'm not buying booze for them right. at a baby dedication. What people need to understand is if, if your church is like my church, baby dedications are not a big ceremonial thing there. You, mm-hmm. you, you, you drag the kid, you, if you drag the siblings up there, you, you get the baby, you toss the baby over to the pastor, or the pastor's wife, they hold the baby up for the congregation to look at. Isn't this, like a Simba. Be- isn't this, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> isn't this a beautiful baby? Everybody oohs and ahs, even though they've seen the baby 60 times. And they say, <laughs> do you promise as these folks try to raise this kid the right way, you're going to back them up? And the church says, yep. yeah. And it's over. I mean, that's it. Yeah, there's so, no dancing or so twerking or anything like that. It's just done. Right now, your family is a lot of them Catholic, right? Yeah, there's a good chunk of my family. And so that that's is a bigger Catholic. deal. I mean, there especially like there'll be infant baptism and that kind of stuff. But there's not. Yeah, that yeah, going that's on. always a point of contention. You know, I think it's not. I mean, my our family's really good about it, but in the, explaining why that's not happening, which is right. a good conversation and. Uh, but most of my fa- our family, our extended family, most of them are Catholic. So very few are non-denominational or evangelical. Okay. So. So. All right. Um. So the other thing that happened, I just because I just I think it's really more fun for the audience when we get into the world of Billy. Oh no. And we understand how does it that Billy clicks because you're this faith editor and you're supposed to be this kind Christian reasoned person. I. Of course, I'm not considered that. <laughs> so when there's chaos in my life, it's expected, right? So you've got this, the circus is coming to town, but yesterday you did something that's very much outside your comfort zone. Now, you, all you give, oh. gave me was a few words, and I really don't know, and I didn't know this about you. So explain to, <laughs> explain to the people listening, the one or two people left listening, if they haven't clicked off already from listening for, to the boring edited, highly highly edited version of what's going on this weekend with your family. Um, tell them exactly what it is you did with the rubes this weekend. Um, you mean yesterday? Well, 
or this week. I, Sorry. I'm unapologetic about this. I, unapologetic. I'm just going to put it out. I don't do the subway. I don't ride a subway. I don't want to touch a subway. I don't want to be within 50 feet of a New York City subway. Okay? Right. Now, okay. So when you sent this to me yesterday, you said, oh, I went to the subway or something like that. <clears throat> I, I never do. I'm like, you look like a guy who likes sandwiches. I thought you were talking about subway restaurant. And then you get into this whole thing about not doing this. So what's the what's your deal with the subway? It's just look. Okay, I am not in the one percent. I'm not even. I'm not even approaching the one percent. I can't even see the one percent from fifty miles away from where I am. Okay, <laughs> I am the ninety nine percent. All right, but the one thing that I'm one percent about is subway travel in New York City. Okay, you can lick the floor of a Washington D.C. subway. <laughs> No. Car, okay. No, you cannot. Well, okay, you think no. you can't, but if you compare it no. to you, you can't even breathe the air in a New York City subway train without catching something. I hate the subway in New York. I don't care that it's convenient. I don't care that it takes me where I need to go. There's nothing worse than the subway. Nothing no. worse. No, I hate it. The the I much prefer. Now I get the dirtiness, uh, the criticism of the New York subway, but it is a far superior mode of transportation. To the to the DC subway. Yeah, if you if you want Hep, hep B, it is. But I do not want. <laughs> you don't, to, well, you haven't had I shots. I actually don't know how many Heps are there. I just made that up. I don't There's even, A, B, and C. Which what is B? Is that an STD? Hep, hep B is the most common. Hep B and Hep C, I think. Well, all right, whatever. One of the Heps. <laughs> yes, if you would like one of them, then ride the subway. But <laughs> I. So here's the thing. I I take the train into Grand Central because that's North, so much because that's is, a lot cleaner than the subway. Well, the Metro North is like a joy. I mean, I love taking the Metro North. It's above Why? ground. It's very. It's actually very expensive, though. Which are I'm you a scared? Person. Now, are you scared of going underground? Is that part of your problem, or is it just not the at film? all? It's just not the at film. all. Um, I think, frankly, everything about the experience is disgusting. I just don't enjoy. I don't like waiting That's for it so in the weird. summer. Waiting for a subway is the worst experience in the world because it's a million degrees. You're dripping sweat. You're underground. It's even hotter for some reason. I mean, heat rises, but apparently not in the New York City subway system. It just well, sinks it gets, it gets trapped in there. Yeah, it's disgusting with bo and nasty smells, and it's it's terrible. So, I don't do the subway. I take the train to Grand Central, and if it's within twenty blocks, I will walk. Oh. So I don't know. I mean, I'll, all I do is I just walk around Manhattan like a crazy person, or I, or I take cabs. I've been known to take cabs. So your complaint is your complaint is about taking the subway in the summer. Is that it's so dang hot? In the subway. Or the winter, or it's anytime. It's so hot in the subway, yet you'll walk 20 blocks in midtown Manhattan when it's hot and muggy in the summer. That yeah, makes, because I'm not make with any the untouchables sense. in the subway. <laughs> I'm kidding. Because you, you, you do look down on them, don't you? They're a bunch of rubes even, and Even though they're probably making more money than me, yes. <laughs> that are all just diseased <laughs> and gross. I do. If you you're, are... If you're... <laughs> Such an elitist snob. Even, but but with a false premise because there's no reason to be. Uh, but I just can't do it. So I'll walk everywhere. But yesterday I had the rare conundrum of having different multiple meetings in different parts of the city. I was able to walk to our office, which is in the 40s, right. um, and and that was nice. I walked there. I was in the office. Then I thought, oh gosh, I have to get to 65th. And so I was meeting it's with like what, somebody. 20, we're gonna 22 what? blocks, 23 blocks, something like that. But I didn't have a lot of time, no. so I, I had to. I couldn't walk, and it was a thirty-five minute walk, and I, I just don't have time oh, to do yeah. that. So I found a cab, and I was super excited and it cost about you finding seventy-five dollars. Actually, no, I didn't get a cab. <laughs> I, I, that's when I had to take the tram. So I took the subway, um, which, against my better judgment, I took the subway, right. and uh, it was pretty gross. But, but you I had got to get where up I had to, to go. You had to get up to sixty-fifth. So you were, were you Central Park West, Central Park East? Where were you? 
Isn't well, that about? I'm not going to lie. I went to the wrong location initially. Of course you did. So then yeah. I had to take a cab because I wasn't going to be back in the train. <laughs> uh, so I took a cab after I went to the wrong location to the right location. And I had lunch with somebody who we're going to have on the show. Oh, oh, this was that meeting. Yes. Was she or he? Uh, uh, were you late for the meeting with this person? No. Well, oh, yeah, okay. about 15, 20 minutes late. Of yeah. course you are. But I figured a taxi cab ride was would make me a little happier, and it did. And so I took a cab there. But then I had to get all the way to 23rd Street for another meeting from 65th, and there was no other. Oh, I had no, to take two no subways. Yeah, two. Yeah. You had to a transfer. Trade. Yeah. Yeah. I I just you know what? Let's just stop talking about it. It's making me sick thinking about it. I don't do the does subway. It really just, does it just really gross you out? I just hate the subway. Yeah. Now, do you like, have you been on the, the D.C. subway very much? Met, they oh, call yeah, the, I they love it. The metro there. Yeah, you, I love you, it. It's you beautiful. like it? Well, just, I mean, I don't care. I don't care about the functionality. It is clean. I, just, I feel clean in it. It is. It is strangely clean. It is a. It is a clean, fairly smooth ride. But the problem is, it's got a, just a total lack of convenience. And there's the, and there's the metro conductors too. With my apologies to Michael Mara, who does a great impersonation of them. It's some. It's you get the bing bong, which is the metro. The doors closing. Doors closing on. You know, or doors closing. Doors opening on the left. And you get the next one also. Bing bong. <laughs> I mean, right. Doors opening on the right. I mean, it's it's really shady, but it's I far less like convenient. Not, I feel like I'm not explaining why I hate it so much. Yeah, you're not. Because it doesn't, I, really, it really doesn't, is it, or do you really have a problem with mingling with yeah. the masses? Is that what it is? A little, a little. Is, is it There's a grossness? nothing that skeeves me out more than being in the middle of the summer with sweaty people touching arms so, but it's but it's, a, but it's a grossness factor. It's not a, it's not a, uh, it's not an elitist factor, at least not one you'd admit to, but it's like, it's just a grossness factor. Uh, if I'm being honest, I would say it's a 70% grossness factor and it's a 30%. I shouldn't I have know to there are this. better trains than this. Why can't this train be better? <laughs> <laughs> I'm being honest. I'm not saying that's right. Oh, I'm just saying no, that's what goes through really? my mind. And there's nothing. You know what? All of you judging me, you go ahead, walk around Manhattan, get sweaty, get disgusting, then get on a train next to, you know, Big Bertha and, and Tiny Sue and everybody else and have your sweaty arms touching their sweaty arms and you see how you feel about it. It's gross. <laughs> Makes me so happy. <laughs> it's been a thing, though, with all yeah. of our friends over the years yeah. that I'm, you know, 1%, 1% about the subway. Oh, and people yeah. get very angry. I have a friend who gets very angry about my stance on the subway. Oh, really? You, yeah. You texted like offended me. Offended by it. You sent me something that your wife, you and your wife, had a conversation <laughs> about this yesterday. What was it? What was it? She said, or you said? I uh, said to her, I'm, where, uh, "Where is I it?" I said, I'm, "You find it?" No, I'm trying to find it. Go ahead. I said, "I'm on the subway," and she said, "Did you just say subway?" <laughs> <laughs> and I said, "Uh, don't get later. me started." <laughs> I mean, she knows your elitist snobbery. Oh, tendencies. yeah. It's now, 30. Does, does she feel the same way about you? Or about the subways? Not about you. Obviously, everybody <laughs> feels that slip. way. But does she feel uh, the same way about the You subways? know what? She's more clueless. She grew up in the suburbs of New York City and can't oh, yeah. figure out how to get anywhere. So she drives everywhere. <laughs> yeah. She's one of those New Yorkers. Yeah. So she, yeah. I don't think she likes the subway that much, but she doesn't feel the way I do. She's a better Christian than I am. Right. <laughs> but... Did I say I don't want to be with the untouchables? I'd like to Something take like that back. <laughs> you don't get to. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't imagine uh, the conversation. Honey, 
I don't want to ride the subway. Just go to get on the subway. But you don't understand. It's like, no, no, I understand. In fact, this is a typical discussion. And you and I were talking about this with wives earlier. You just don't understand. No, I understand. You're just an idiot. But what is it about women? Oh, I know. No offense, women. Oh, boy. But I'm, I'm getting, but what is it about wives? And, and you know, women, is, feel free to comment and, and fight back on social media if you think that we're not telling the truth here. But you have conversations. You disagree with what the wife is saying. And then she says to the husband, you're, we're just, you're just not understanding. And you're like, you just said, it's like, no, I understand. I just think that what you believe is wrong. And I disagree with you. I'm not an idiot. You're, I understand what you're, you're saying. I you're just, just think it's dumb. Yeah. You're just screwy woman. And you think what I'm saying is dumb and we just right. disagree. Right. It's not a matter of not understanding. About me not being able to comprehend it. Right. It's, it's not a matter of me not understanding. It's a matter of you being wrong. I mean, <laughs> Exactly. I had difficult. one of these with my wife yesterday, and I was just like, "No, you're wrong." Like, oh, this what were you guys is... fighting about? Oh, I bet uh, I know. You know, yeah, it was a debate, and it <laughs> okay. was so it's, you're just not understanding. I'm going to bed. This is just you know, I'm, I'm you're not under. No, I understand. No, I understand. You're just a, you're just long. You're just wrong. So <laughs> you're just out of control. Um, <laughs> anyway, well, boy, we've really talked about a lot we of. We have, and I wish we could have gotten more because I really wish we could have gotten more into it. Because we, one day we will. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you don't ride the subway because I'd hate for you to get sick because then that would be evidence of your demon possession. Oh, yes, it would be. And also... Good behavior. Oh, and you touch the metal and for the rest of the day your hands are like burning with... It's like sulfur. It's like you don't... it's Satan. It's... Look... It's all Satan, Billy. It's all Satan. You know what, though? When I was in college... I think I rode the subway too much. That's what happened. Oh, really? Well, when I was in co- when I was in grad school and college, I was taking buses and subways like every day, multiple times yeah. a day. Because nobody and else, I know people nobody do else, that for nobody else. Years. Does I just that, couldn't yeah. do it. I couldn't take it. <laughs> you are a snob. I I would take you the really one are. train to the bus, to the bus, to the six train. The, I mean, it was like, crazy. Yeah, interesting. So, well, we don't have that. Now, prob- we don't have that problem know. here. Nobody in our town rides the subway. Well, that's because you're in Podunk. That's you right. know. We don't even have a stoplight here, so we're okay. All right, let's uh, let's take a break. Then I want to come back and talk about um, oh, what was that story we were going to talk about first? Because it made the oh, openly gay. Pastor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Whole Foods debacle. Yeah, we're going to get my so, favorite story of the year. Oh, it may. There's so many things to talk about when it comes to that. So let me uh, get the soundboard here on the right spot, and we we will be right back. The founder of this company. 10 years ago, was trying to sell his house. He's, you know, he's kind of an important guy. And he said to his wife, if this is what it's like for us, how do people who have no clout ever get around this? So he started a company and it went into business, I think three years ago. Their deal is, their word is their bond. And they are people that listen to this show. They are just like you. Now, how can I say that? Because I'm the founder of the company. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Back to the church boys. So, Billy, I know that you were attracted to this story because there was cake involved. Uh, <laughs> but there was a big dust-up that happened this week. <laughs> this is my favorite story. And the there's year. a whole, there's so many twists to this and turns and reasons why. Are you, why is that what you're bothered by in this story? Um, but a openly gay <laughs> pastor... Uh, didn't like a cake he got, or there was some. I'm, I'm not. I'm not even doing it because it's not that. It's there's there's way more to it than this. Why don't you set this up? Because I can't get past openly gay pastor. So. <laughs> okay, all right. 
So <clears throat> the bottom this, line, let's there just are go people, the, There are people more offended by the fact... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. You're going to go there. Don't worry. You're going to unhinge and go there. But before you go there and get our show removed from the Boys Radio Network, let me just <laughs> explain what happened here. We have this openly gay pastor uh, who, who runs a church, apparently, a church plant in Austin, Texas, called Church of Open Doors. And he apparently... Sounds like a church full of conviction. <laughs> oh, boy, here we go. He... Um, basically went into Whole Foods, says that he ordered a cake. He wanted that cake to say love wins, paid for the cake, got into his car. His claim is that he looked down at the cake and it said he apparently didn't notice this when he was in the store. And there's a window on the cake, which is sort of strange. And everybody looks at their cake when, you know, I was actually doing an interview with Sam Sorbo on her radio show. And she's like, who doesn't look at the cake before they leave the store? Right. right. Anyway, sure everything's spelled right. The cake said love wins fag. (laughs) And um, so he then made a video and got a, and got a lawyer and said, I can't believe that they wrote that they wrote this, you know, gay slur on the cake. Right. And, and, and isn't he crying on the video like he's weeping? Um, no, sure I just think like he it. has a weepy face. Oh, OK, he just looks like, like, you know, some weeping. people like I have a weepy yeah. face. Some people have a weepy face. No, no, you just have a fat face. face. <laughs> no, he, he was just upset. He said this is discrimination and oh, he goes geez. through and, and, and he sh- now he shows the box in this video. He puts a video out, gets right. an attorney. They sue. Um, and in the video, you can see the box looks like it's sealed. Yeah. The UPC code looks like it's on the side of the box. And he says, I didn't touch this cake. I didn't tamper with this cake. Now, Whole Foods immediately defends the worker in this case and says that the worker, uh, I don't know if it's the person who made the cake or the person who sold it, was a member of the LBGTQ community. So that adds sort of a question of, okay, if this person is a part of that community, would they have written the word on the cake? They defend them and say there's no way they did. Then this is my favorite part. Whole Foods releases security footage of this pastor walking up to buy the cake and it looks in the video like the UPC code to scan the cake is on the top of the cake. But in the video, when this pastor showed the video of the cake, it was on the side and the bottom, the UPC code. And Whole Foods raises this issue and says, we didn't put it on the bottom. It was on the top of the cake. So somebody clearly might have taken that label off and put another label on and tampered with the cake. Now, we don't know what happened, but... One more bombshell. One more Nancy Grace bombshell in this case. Okay, tell me. A student loan trust a few weeks before, about a month before this happened, had apparently allegedly sued this pastor for $27,000 saying that he had defaulted on student loans. Right. So the narrative that that paints obviously isn't very positive for the pastor now. But we we really don't know what happened. So we can't say definitively what happened. So so, the security camera footage has the UPC label one place and his footage that he posted online has it somewhere else which means it looks like it's in on the top right that's what I would Be, say between the apparently what you might surmise from that video then that was released is that between the purchase of the cake and the pastor's posting of that video of the cake with the word fag on it somebody added the word between those two video instances is that what is that is that what people are saying now yeah, I mean, that's the claim. You know, Whole Foods has been, I mean, I've never seen a company push back yeah, yeah. so fast. And, of course, they took a picture with their whole entire staff right. in that location with right. the Love Wins hashtag, you right. know, trying to... Uh, well, can't you do you, forensics on the, on the handwriting? I mean, because it was written by hand, and it's different. I mean, the frosting, you could, you could test the frosting and see if they're the same. <laughs> they, the, they don't look the same. I mean, they don't look the same. I mean, they look, so, they look very similar, but not the same. A reporter, and I don't know from what outlet I was, because I've read so many stories on this, 
I, yesterday or two days ago, went down to the attorney's office because nobody can get a hold of the attorney. He hasn't resp- I've reached out to the attorney repeatedly um, since this Monday press conference they had announcing his lawsuit against Whole Foods before Whole Foods countersued. And this reporter went to the lawyer's office and, they, and their description was hilarious. I probably can't do it justice, but it was like, we could see through the window of the conference room that the cake was sitting on a table. <laughs> the cake is like sitting there. They can totally analyze it. Um, I hope these reporters can't it. get to anybody. They just see the cake. That's funny. Um, so anyway, yeah, so that's, in, that's the bottom line, I but couple, I love the story. Le, so here's a couple things that, that stood out to me in this story. One is what's the name of the university where <laughs> he's defaulted on the loan. I don't know anything about this university other than the name that I saw. Oh gosh. Hold on. I have, it's I in, have it. Oh, first, <laughs> slippery rock. Yeah, okay. <laughs> slippery rock so, university. Uh, but here's, here's the thing that's driving me nuts. Not one of many things. Okay, first of all, you shouldn't, if somebody wrote that on the cake, regardless of who it was, you shouldn't write that on there, period. I also, I'm annoyed by the fact that people get upset by that word when there are so many other words that are so nasty. Uh, but if it if it's, if it's bothers you, it bothers you, but seriously, come on. But I don't think somebody should write that and be mean to somebody and write that on their cake. But what's driving me nuts is that there's way more people who are getting upset at this pastor and they should be upset with the pastor if he lied about this, but they're way more upset. This guy who's a man of the cloth, he's a pastor, you know, is people are accusing him of he's lying about this cake fiasco. How dare a man of God lie about this cake fiasco. And I'm sitting here as a conservative evangelical going, you know, I'm really more concerned about the fact that a guy who claims to be a pastor and a man of God and a man of the cloth is banging other men. That's a bigger deal to me. Well, if he is, we, he says he's he open, is. we don't know. He could just be gay. Maybe he's not. A, I don't know. I, I'm just playing devil. I don't yeah, know. Sure. But I understand what you're but saying. But do you know what I mean? I mean, and I don't mean to I, I do. I mean to say it in a crass way. You only to get it for, to drive the point home. But it, it bothers me more that people are more bothered that a man of God, a man of the cloth would lie than the fact that he's having relationships with other men, that that's a bigger offense. Well, and I think. The, here's the thing. If this weren't a pastor, and I think this is important, and, and this kind of speaks to what you're saying. If this weren't a pastor and it was just some random guy who told this story, I think the reaction would be the same to it, right? So that really speaks yeah. to what yeah. you're saying, yeah. <laughs> what you are saying here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but that, I, people are not really focusing in on that there, point. And if, if, you know, if, we can suddenly, if we can suddenly declare that a behavior that has long time been accepted as not healthy behavior, not good behavior, is suddenly okay behavior, but lying, which has long been considered not good behavior, is still bad behavior. Why is it that your judgment on that behavior is legitimate, but my judgment on this behavior is illegitimate? Right. That's fascinating to me. And I think this is the bizarro world that we live in, too. And it it is hard to judge from comments right and reaction because the people who come in and react to things i'm convinced are not always the representatives of what everyone really believes yeah. and i think we've seen we see that in a lot of different forums um when people are <laughs> having the ability to comment um but i would say in this case look if the pastor did lie that is wrong if right. he did if this guy didn't lie and somehow this happened look we don't really know we do know that whole foods is defending itself and they filed from what fox news has reported a hundred thousand dollar lawsuit um countersuit so 
for damages. Look, it's it's a damaging thing, but yeah, they responded so fast to it. I can't imagine there was a lot of damage to them, yeah. and the narrative changed faster than I've seen almost any other story. Stories narr- narrative yeah, change. And Whole Foods is not known to be some sort of uh, is is not known to be unfriendly to liberal causes. I mean, no, no and again, I mean, they took a love wins picture with yeah, the whole I mean, stuff. Like, come on, come on. So, again, the narrative with that that lawsuit caught attention this week against him from his former college uh, over the claim that he defaulted because of that, though. People thinking, oh, is this guy just making this up? But, yeah, to your point about the morality piece, I think that that's really interesting. There was some of that discussion, you know, some people talking about that. And there was a few reports out with some not a lot of clarity about what the church is, where they meet and all that. How many people actually go to this church? What sort of pastor is this? So, yeah, uh, it's yeah, it's a strange it's really, really world weird. we live in, Chris yeah, Field. It is. So let's, uh, why don't we take another break real quick. We'll come back and we'll get into this interview that we conducted uh, today um, because it, it really is interesting too. And it speaks to church growth and, and where the church is and how do we reach people and, and those sorts of things. So we will be right back. Well, we'll be right back if I can, if I can get the right sound effect up here. Okay, now we'll be right back. The Church Boys. The Church Boys. Man, I hate these guys. So I was just actually looking, and we're going to get into this interview, but Pastor Jordan Brown, the guy at the center of the store we were just talking about, he has deleted his Twitter account, which I think is kind of interesting. That is interesting. Uh, it was up a couple days. It was up yesterday, I believe, uh, as I was looking at it, and now I'm not seeing it, and I'm looking to see if his website's up. I has know, he, like I said, the, we have not he, been able to reach him has at he, all. Has he pulled the video of him talking about Whole Foods? Not that I can tell, because that video was on the law firm's website, oh, right? Really? At yeah. this point, I would imagine Hello? they have to be very oh, careful him. what Sorry. they do, Yeah, right? be really um, careful, yeah. Hold on, I'm looking right now to see if they've pulled the video, because oh, it's, that it's would up be... There. Kaplan Law Firm? Yeah, I know it's, it's still, up there. It's still up there, yeah. And it's got 715,000 views. But yeah. the funny part is the Whole Foods video has like way over a million last time I looked. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, our interview, uh, let's talk about our interview. It yeah. was with Tom Schultz, who uh, really has, you know, back in 2013, I had interviewed him. And I believe I interviewed his wife as well. They've spent a lot of time looking at church Churches looking at patterns of congregants leaving, coming, what's going on with church communities, and have really come to the conclusion that churches are on the decline across the board mm-hmm. uh, in terms of their size and their and their scope. And so we spoke with him about a new documentary that he uh, has has put out, and it released earlier this year. It's been it's been around for the past year or two, but really got wide wider distribution on DVD uh, this past February, and they're really plugging this now. I think as a way to sort of look at the problem, why, you know, our churches, quote unquote, dying and try to find what the solution is. And so I won't spoil what those possible solutions are, but we had a great, I think it was a great conversation. Was, what do you think, very good. I thought, I thought it was really good. And I like that, you know, he's very frank about here's what the statistics are. Here's what's going wrong. And, and he, then he offers some ideas on, he didn't get into specifics on how to, sol- how to solve it, but he does offer some solutions and we got to rethink how we do stuff. And I think I was, I thought that was I thought he was spot on on a lot of his analysis, but I, I thought it was a good conversation. And I hope that, yeah, I mean, you tell me, I hope that we weren't combative. I hope I wasn't no. combative because I, I did want clarification on some things, but. No, I don't think so at all. I think there were a couple things that he said that I thought, huh, I wonder, 
I, these are complicated issues, right? right why why right, certain right. groups are maybe not going to church as much as other groups are, and we, we got into a little bit of of that. And I thought it was I thought it was interesting. I yeah. think we need to have more of these conversations. Try to figure out what's going on and how to and how to fix it in a difficult culture. I mean, the last story we talked about touches on a lot of the elements of how difficult the culture is right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, roll it. It's Billy Hollowell here with the Church Boys, and Chris Field is on the line with me, and we have Tom Schultz, director of the documentary When God Left the Building. How you doing today, Tom? Doing well. So I think you and I actually talked back in, in 2013, I believe. I was I was yeah, I think thinking so. back uh, about mm-hmm. uh, a book that you worked on, a very similar subject matter, and I think an important subject matter of what is happening to churches in America. And I know that you probably are familiar with the Pew Research Center's uh, poll that came out uh, earlier yeah. this year. And I guess mm-hmm. poll is not the, the proper word necessarily because it was a pretty broad study that um, you know really brought in tens of thousands of Americans. And, and their perspective on religion and faith, and and found a pretty big decrease in those who said that they were Christians. It was down from seventy eight percent in two thousand seven to I think about seventy uh, percent in in twenty fourteen. So, you know, with that said, uh, first tell us a little bit about when God left the building, what the premise is, and what led you to the project. Yeah. Well, we've been uh, watching the church and the trends affecting the church for many years now, and seeing that uh, uh, the church today is in America is in decline. Eighty percent of uh, churches today are either stuck or in decline by practically any measure that you want to use. And so, with that, we wondered, uh, well, what's what's happening? Why is that happening? And uh, how could we get inside that and and tell that, tell some stories about that that uh, would bring it to life and help people understand how the church is declining, why it is, and who's leaving, and uh, what what the future might hold. Very good, very good. And I, yeah, I mean, those are, those are the key questions, right? I think specifically. Why is this happening, right? And everyone has different theories. And when that Pew data came out, everybody was saying different things. Oh, well, there's really nothing to worry about here. Christianity isn't in decline. Then others are saying, no, it is in decline. Um, Lots of conversations about culture, obviously. Um, But before we get into some of that, um, as you were working on this documentary, well, well, how actually, how long were you working on this documentary? How many years? Yeah, it was uh, three or four years that uh, we worked on the documentary, and we followed... uh, uh, different churches, one in particular in uh, upstate New York that uh, saw its attendance drop from around 900 to about 30. And we were really curious about uh, what happened there, and and then we were able to follow during the years that uh, we camped out there, we were able to follow the, uh, an eventual just collapse that uh, happened before our very eyes while we were filming. What was for that particular church? What were the? I mean, that's an unbelievable. That's that's a death of a church, basically. I mean, what what were the the causes of that? Yeah, there were many, and uh, I think that's one thing to understand that there uh, there's no one thing that uh, is causing this, and also there, there's no one thing. I, I think that's the solution. We we have to really take a broad look at it. But for that church, uh, they had lost their way. They'd lost their mission. They had uh, internal struggles and strife that uh, again happened before our cameras of of uh, a real church fight that wound up in a congregational vote that resulted in. Uh, asking the pastor to leave, and a lot of it was over really petty stuff. And they, they'd really just lost their their love, uh, uh, 
I like to say that they lost their, their first love of, of why they were a church in the first place. And uh, people began to, uh, to just get uh, distracted, in some cases bored, and in other cases mad. And they just lost people over time. So when, when uh, you is say- that, where's that church now? Well, the that pastor who uh, was there while we were filming left, and uh, they brought in a uh, interim pastor, and uh, that interim pastor eventually became their permanent pastor, and it's slowly beginning to rebuild. When you say very good, sorry, you Chris. Say, that's okay. When you say they get in a fight over petty things, what does what does that mean? I, I think that there are different church or churchy <laughs> people who who would have differences of opinion on what constitutes petty. Uh, especially when you're yeah. talking about a church split. Yeah. Well, uh, for instance, in that case, uh, many of the church members were really upset when the pastor took down pictures of past dead pastors, oh. and uh, that just really offended them that that was, that was uh, somehow <laughs> smearing their tradition, and uh, uh, they, they got to the point where they were ready to fire the pastor over things like that. Mm. Other people were complaining that... Uh, his sermons went too long, and uh, they, they said, they said uh, a worship hour, uh, one guy said, the operative word there is hour, and it's never an hour, he said. <laughs> there's two, uh, words, there's two words that after an hour, I do sort of tune out, and, and, and it, I'm not saying that's right, but you know, two, in his there's, defense. There's two, words in, there's two words in the phrase worship hour, and I don't think that hour is the more operative word there. <laughs> hey, look, I mean, some people just have ADD. But, yeah. well, I oh, think the thing that I wanted to ask you about, and this is a broader question, and I don't know if you'll be able to answer based on, on what you've looked at um, in your past research and then with the churches in this documentary, but one of the things the Pew survey really showed when you looked deeper is that a lot of the mainline churches, you know, when you looked at who was declining the most, it it happened to be the mainline churches and then obviously Catholic churches after that. Um, and there were a lot of factors, cultural factors of why people believe that's happening, the stances they're taking, the um, moving away from traditional doctrine, those sorts of things. Did you encounter any of those elements as you were going through? Um no, in terms of, of seeing that there is a real distinction between mainline and, and evangelical churches in terms of, of decline. That is a myth. Uh, the Pew Report, as well as when you dig into individual denominational reports, show that all parts of the Christian church in America are in decline. Uh, there, there are only a handful of smaller uh, denominations that have shown any any uh, uh, growth at all in recent years. In fact, uh, when you want to talk about the difference between mainline and evangelical churches, one of the things that uh, the Pew Report uh, showed, as well as, again, data from the denominations themselves, the two largest denominations in this country, the United Methodists, a mainline denomination, and the Southern Baptists, an evangelical denomination, both of them uh, are seeing year-over-year shrinkage. And in fact, in the latest reporting period, both of those shrank at the same rate. So uh, we need to recognize this problem is one that is not simply affecting one corner of the Christian church. It's it's across the board. Hmm. Yeah, and it's, you know, and those are maybe more complicated issues, too, on some of those things. You know, if a church endorses gay marriage or something, you that you then are entering into a different sort of territory that's harder that's probably harder to measure that what we're talking about here is the more general death of 
churches or decline of churches. Um, Chris, did you have a question? Yeah, well, I was, was I, was, I was wondering. No, you weren't interrupting me, which is unusual. Usually you're always interrupting me. But <laughs> um, uh, I guess part of my part of my question is, is, is society just less interested in the whole church thing? I mean, is that, and again, that could fall to the fault of the church and that's in large part, the fault of the church, I suppose. But are they, are they just less interested in, in the Bible and the Bible's teaching? It's, let me give you, let me give you a two for instances, right? Cause I work a lot with, with youth and young adults and, and just this last Sunday I had the, I had the privilege of, um, uh, filling in for our pastor when he was gone. So I got to preach and I, and I, one of the stories that I used was, was I retold the story of Jonah and I had teenagers who had never heard the story of Jonah before. And you think you grow up in a society with anybody sort of any sort of education or intellectualism at all. The story of Jonah is at least referred to, right? I mean, that's something that you would at least hear, hear a reference to somewhere in any of the, in literature that you read or discussions that you have, or or whatever. It seems to me that they would know some of the story, and they just don't know the stories. And then a year, about a year and a half ago, Easter of last year, I believe it was, I was working with. I had a group of about thirty teenagers, and it was uh, it was Passion Week, and we were talking to them about Good Friday and Easter. And of the thirty, and I'm being generous here, of the thirty, four knew what Good Friday and Easter were. In an American society, in a conservative, and, and this is, and where I live is a conservative community where churches are very involved in what's going on in the community. And four out of 30 knew what Good Friday and Easter were. I think that speaks to a larger societal problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's kind of a uh, chicken and egg question as to why we see things like uh, biblical illiteracy. And that is a problem, uh, but uh, it's it's due, I think, primarily not because people are less interested in spiritual things or that uh, the Bible is somehow uh, not revered like it may have once been. It, it has more to do with uh, the delivery mechanism that we've relied on in the past, that uh, being primarily the, the Church and so far as young people, uh, Sunday school and youth groups and so on, because that delivery mechanism is is not working as well as it did in the past. We've got fewer people who are exposed to those stories, and uh, then you get the result like like uh, you just mentioned. So we've got to we've got to step back and take a look at uh, well, how are we doing with that delivery mechanism of the message? And uh, that's where uh, we need to begin. And I think that rather than than uh, hand wringing about uh, how the society is is uh, less interested in spiritual things, which I don't believe is the case. I think uh, uh, society, particularly millennials today, are very spiritually interested. They're, they're simply not interested in receiving that hmm. from the typical traditional delivery mechanisms that we've had. So if yeah, so that what, was going to be my next. So what what is what's the update then for the delivery for the delivery mechanism? I mean I I I don't disagree. I totally I shouldn't say I don't disagree. I totally agree that I think our mechanism is has become outdated. Do we revamp the mechanism or do we start with a new mechanism? And if we do, church stats will still continue to go down because church attendance will be down because we won't be doing church the way we did it before. So what's mm-hmm. so are when again, Billy has has delved into these numbers way more than I have, and the and the research, and and you even more than Billy. But is it possible that church numbers are down, but home group meetings are up, 
And so maybe total real church attendance isn't down as far as we want to think that it is. Well, I think there you're starting to get into an interesting question about, well, what is the church? Yeah. And that's a healthy question for us to ask, because uh, I'm afraid that uh, when you ask the average person on the street today, when if you ask, what is the church, they'll they'll tell you something about that uh, that little building down on First and Main right. or that weekly event that they have on Sunday morning. And uh, if that's the definition of the church, then yes, that is shrinking. And faster than I think a lot of people realize. Isn't that what but Pew was measuring? About, uh, Isn't that what Pew was measuring? Pardon? Isn't that what Pew was measuring, though? In part, yeah. Okay. But they also asked about the people's general faith stance. That's where you get the number that Billy mentioned about uh, num- if you identify as a Christian or not. Uh, but I think the, the, the larger definition of the Church, meaning the body of believers, right. that, uh, that raises a whole different uh, perspective of what's happening out there. And we touch on some of that in the film as well, and that's where some of the good news is, I think, when people are, are backing up and reclaiming the original definition of the Church and realizing that there's a lot of good stuff happening out there. It's just uh, happening beyond the four walls of the Church. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, I was going to ask you about millennials because I do. I've been in some interesting conversations with with people and talking about this. And you know, when I talked to Pew specifically about this issue and, and interviewed some researchers there, and I asked them, okay, well, we know that young people are always more disconnected from faith. They're always more liberal than they are conservative. There, there's certain things about young people we know that are always true, no matter what the generation is. Mm-hmm. the The issue that seems to be the case is that these millennials are are less interested at this point in their life in the Bible and in Christianity. Not that they're not spiritual, uh, but they're less interested than than any other generation that has been measured at this point. Mm-hmm. That is sort of the the struggle. Now, I mean, there. Are, on the flip side, it seems like millennials who are devout are very devout, and there's a, there's definitely a healthy you know church among young people. But there's this factor of having young people less engaged than previous generations. So. What you know? What did you notice about that? And what are some of your thoughts on on that dynamic? Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I think that's uh, gets us back to kind of the chicken and egg uh, analogy as well. And with that, uh, what's not working with the mechanism, and particularly with millennials, and and why they might be staying away in larger numbers than in previous generations, is how we're doing church, how we're delivering the message today doesn't work with them as well as it did maybe my generation. One example, and and this has come up in our research as well as other people's research repeatedly, that the idea of going and listening to one expert, one authority at the microphone do all the talking, that idea simply uh, is no longer appealing, particularly to younger generations today. They want to participate. They want to be a part of the discussion. So when we have a model that's built on an academic model of of one person at the microphone doing all the talking and your thoughts, your questions, uh, your uh, willingness to participate in in the discussion, when those things are not welcome and they're not included, then uh, millennials especially are going to look elsewhere. If, if we want to work on fixing that, we've got to figure out ways to involve them, just as they are being involved in other aspects of their lives. Education today uh, in, in schools are turning more and more to 
participative learning and interactive learning where they get to be engaged in the learning process rather than simply listening to a hundred percent lecture from the front mm. so if, if we can if we can figure out how to reform what we do in church whether it's in worship or whether it's in youth group or Sunday school to a more interactive model that's one step toward re-engaging and appealing to young people today yeah, and and the other element of this is the cultural element of these are the this is the first generation. I mean, I'm I'm 32. I'm on the upper end of, but this generation having access to social media, there's mm-hmm. you are almost never. There's always a message coming at you from somewhere mm-hmm. at this point, and 90 percent. Well, I shouldn't say a high percentage of those numbers. Whether we're talking about TV shows, whether we're talking about music, the messages have intensified. The messages that are not really. Um, you know, pro-Christian, let's say, they they sort of are values that are are not what we would find in the Bible. And you're, people are kind of inundated with that. And you do mm-hmm. wonder what the impact of that is on a generation that has been consuming that almost, uh, I think, especially for young people now, incessantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. That's a hard thing to compete with. So, you know. Well, another thing, young people today are digital natives. They've, they've grown up with the yeah. Internet. which is a very interactive medium. So for them to engage in the exchange of information, it's it's a very, very much a two-way street back and forth. And that's what works for them. I mean, they're, they're wired from day one that way. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we need to understand that and uh, look at retooling what we do in the church to make it more interactive and participative. So what about... Absolutely. So we talk about the youth being, uh, the millennials, I guess, being more interactive. What about the Gen Xers and the uh, baby boomers? I mean, we don't want to, you don't want to leave them in the lurch either. And and there's still a fair, uh, there's still a large share of them who need to be reached uh, with the gospel. What is, are you seeing interactive trends with them as well? like Like the millennials? I mean, obviously not to that degree, but... Are they trending more and more interactive in the way you've talked about the millennials? They are. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it's a little bit different in terms of, of uh, their own development has come during their lifetime rather than being sure. digital natives. They've, they've grown up uh, with uh, this transition period that we're in today of wanting to be more engaged. And we see the same kind of um, reasons coming across the generations as to why people are turning away from the church, including this uh, this longing for interactivity. In fact, uh, we did another study here on what we call uh, the duns, or church refugees, people who have been engaged in members of a church for a long time and have now simply left the institutional church. They haven't left God, they haven't left their faith, but they've they've left the church. Mm-hmm. And one of the chief reasons when digging into that and, and finding out why they left, one of the chief reasons they cited, people of all generations, was that uh, they were tired of simply sitting passively to a lecture. Mm. They wanted to participate. Interesting. Very good, very good. My My Final question for you is, you know, what was the most shocking thing to you putting this documentary together, going through, doing all the research? What was sort of the big shocking takeaway, if if at all? We uh, we wound up during the course of making the film uh, running into the uh, example of what happened to another big American institution, 
not the church, but in this case, it was uh, Kodak, the Eastman Kodak Company, mm. which happened to be headquartered right near one of the churches that we profiled. Mm. And that story of the rise and fall of Kodak that we dug into had so many parallels to what's happening in the church, it, it just uh, stunned us. And we, we found the, uh, uh, the chief engineer who, way back, was there at Kodak during the time that uh, digital photography began to emerge. And he witnessed firsthand how that company tried to sideline and uh, put on the back shelf digital photography, hoping that their legacy business of film and paper and chemicals would continue. And he tells that story, and we document that in the film and show step-by-step how the things that Kodak faced and the wrong decisions that they made over time eventually doomed that company and how, how closely that parallels what's happening in the church today. That, that uh, astonished us. I grew up in Rochester, and so I lived not far from that church, probably, and also from <laughs> from um, Kodak. And when I was a kid, everybody worked at Kodak. And by the time I had gone to college and left, that clearly was not was mm-hmm. not the case. And so it had devastating impact on the, on the community. But but I think to your point, that is that is a fascinating parallel. Not adapting to the times, you know, mm-hmm. sidelining. You can't treat. Millennials and not just millennials, Chris, you know, as you said, everybody who's now consuming things in a different way than they were five years ago, two years ago, one year ago, the same way you did 30 years ago. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's fascinating and I appreciate you coming on to talk with us about all this. Yeah, thanks, Tom. Well, great. And now, back to the church boys. They're a real pain in my so nope. much chafing. <laughs> I was just about to say, you know, while we were on vacation in Disneyland, when I was chafed, one of my all-time favorite times of the year, one of the, I mean, it's it's in my top five days of the year for me. Uh, I love Christmas. I love Thanksgiving. I love... <laughs> of I, course you I, do. I, I get, of course. As a Christian, I have to say I love Easter. Um, and I do love Easter, don't get me wrong, but as far as things that are just simply fun, and again, Easter should be more fun than it is, but we should make a bigger deal out of it, but it's, it's, I'm explaining too much. But top five days of the year, Cinderella Ball that we host in D.C. ranks up there, but one of my all-time favorite days of the year is opening day. And opening day happened while we were in California, and I, I, I was hoping, you know, I was hoping to get to a, like a, an Angel's home opener while we were in Anaheim, but it just didn't work out. But anyway... All that said, I love baseball, and one of my favorite players has been Kurt Schilling. And I remember watching him when the Sox were in the when the in the World Series in the in the postseason and getting into the World Series. And there was the bloody sock episode. In fact, I think it happened twice. And he sold the he raffled off or or no, I shouldn't say raffled, not raffled, auctioned off the bloody sock uh, because he had this he had this leg injury, this this ankle injury, but he kept pitching and he and he. He didn't get the MVP in the World Series that year. I think he got the MVP with uh, Randy Johnson when he pitched with the Diamondbacks back in, what, 2001 when they won it? Uh, But anyway, I'm a big Kurt Schilling fan, big Kurt Schilling fan, and I also have enjoyed his politics, and his politics have gotten him in trouble (laughs) and apparently fired (laughs) uh, this week. But his politics have gotten him in trouble before. He works for ESPN, which is, of course, owned by Disney. So as Glenn is wont to say, they will do whatever it takes to protect the mouse. That is what they do. 
And so well, Kurt Schilling has been let go over a dust-up. Now tell people what the dust-up is. Before I, and before I get to the dust-up, Disney strangely will do whatever to protect the mouse, but it, it seems like they're not really willing to court those with traditional views. <laughs> like, yeah. like it's sort of like, yeah. we'll do whatever whatever appeases everyone else on the left, right. but we don't really want to... And, and because look, they know that we'll keep coming back because, because the stuff they produce, for the most part, especially the kid movies, is family-friendly. And we're like... Nobody else is doing the family-friendly stuff as well as as well as or as frequent as Disney. So we're going to continue to go there. We're going to continue to give them money. We're going to go to Disneyland because it's a safe place to go. So they don't have to worry about it. it's. It's a matter of they don't. We're and we're not the snowflakes. As much as people want to get on the case of Christians, you're so sensitive. You just overreact to everything, which can be a, the, the case in a lot of instances. But we're not snowflakes. Look at the social justice social justice warriors of today. Those are the snowflakes. Those are the people easily offended. And those are the people Disney and other places are trying to appease for a multitude of reasons. One, because they agree with them. But two, those people will be upset and launch some sort of boycott that will cost the company tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, maybe even millions of dollars. And Disney will not put up with that. And wait, look, wait until a gay princess or something happens. I think that will change yeah. that That paradigm. will change if everything. Ever. Right. If that, ever. Right. If ever. And That's, I wonder if they'll ever do that because... They've not, done it on their TV shows with yeah. a character. They did do a parent, a gay parent, on one of the TV shows right. on the TV network, on right. the kids' network. And right. that was controversial yeah. at the time. But I'm not that sure. Was, yeah. As far as the gay princess thing goes, that might be a straw that breaks a, you know, a particular saved or sanctified camel's back. Right? And they may not go there. They may not yeah, go there. They may not. So I think, you know, anyway, so this anyway, particular story. Tell them story, what happened with, with Schilling. Was Schilling is really he, he like you said he's had a series of these issues where he's tweeted something or Facebooked something and it's caused a stir. It started yep. last August uh, with an Islam you know Islamic mm. extremism mm. Nazi comparison that he put out there. Right. This particular story was a little bit different. This has to do with the use of you know transgender uses uses of bathrooms, <clears throat> and in this case he had shared a photo that somebody else had produced on his private personal Facebook page. Right. Um, obviously, some people had access to that and were able to see it. He shared that photo, and the photo was of a man uh, dressed as a woman uh, and basically... Well, let me but see here, kind it, of dressed as a woman. It was a fat, right. it was, it it was was a fat over, ugly man. It was over, yeah. over the top, but to, to prove a point. It was to make a right, point. Right, right. But it was, a, uh, it was an ugly, fat, disgusting man dressed apparently in drag with a... It looked like a blonde, a bad blonde wig and spandex with holes cut out in certain areas so that his, if he were female, where his breasts would be hanging out. And the point, the point was, and the message on that photo that again, Schilling did not create, he just shared, was let him into the restroom with your daughter or else you're a narrow-minded, judgmental, unloving, racist bigot who needs right. to die. Right. It was a meme, okay? It was it was poking fun at the, the very thing that happened to him is exactly what the photo was kind of making fun of. Now, right. then what what he wrote with that message because he put his own message with the photo when he shared it was a man is a man no matter what they call themselves i don't care what they are who they sleep with men's rooms uh men's room was designed for the penis women's not so much now you need laws telling us differently <laughs> pathetic now that is what got him into trouble what got him fired now and as far as we know that's not a meme he created either is no, he correct? said, and yeah, and he said in the interview with Stephen Crowder that he did today that he did not uh, create that meme. So we have to believe that that's the case. If not, then, but he shared it and commented yeah. on it. Yeah. And 
He also said some other things in this interview that I thought were fascinating, one of which is that one of his kids heads up a gay you know, club on campus at yeah. his high school. He wow. was sort of making the point of I'm not, you know, my son does this and I I had transgender he had transgender employees apparently yeah. at his failed video game company. Oh really? Uh, he, I don't know if you know about that. He ran a video game yeah, I knew company. Yeah, that. That I knew about the video game company. I didn't know about that. Imploded. Um, yeah. But, needless to say, well, we all can't win them all. No. But he's he's fascinating to listen to on these things because he... But, oh, you know, it doesn't matter. But he got fired for it, and he got, he got reprimanded before and suspended before on the Muslim thing. And he got fired for this. Now, listen. ESPN, Disney, The Blaze, anybody can fire... As far as I'm concerned, you can fire anybody for any reason. In fact, if you are, if you want to fire me for being white, I'm okay with it. I might not like it, but I think you should have the right to do it. And I might say that's not very. I don't think that's the right thing to do. But as as you know, I'm all for people doing whatever they want for the most part, as far as running a business goes. If you you wanna, and I differ there a little bit. But I'm I think not saying be, that I think you're wrong. Able, I think you should be able to fire anybody for any reason. Now, it doesn't mean I think you should fire anybody for any reason. It doesn't mean I think you should fire someone for the color of their skin. I just think that you should be able to. I think you should be. it should be legally permitted. doesn't mean I think you should do it. I think it should be legally permitted. So so they can fire him forever for whatever reason, but I do find it interesting that there are shows and there are people on the Disney networks, ABC, Disney, ESPN, who say and do things far more offensive from a moral standpoint than anything that, that Kurt Schilling has ever said or done. And they have shows on ABC that are far more morally offensive than anything Kurt Schilling has said or done. Don't you agree? Yeah, no, definitely. So but I think, but they take this, they take this stance and fire an employee. Forget the stuff that they actually promote and pay to produce and then sell to advertisers on their network. But this, Look, they, they'll fire him for saying something that half of America agrees with. I I do think, I don't know what the solution is to the problem, to this sort of problem, because you create a law to try to stop it and that opens doors to other problems, yeah. right? Yep. Which is what we, which was what we have seen happen. Um, but at the same time, it's like, to me, the fact that you have this guy stating an opinion on something, which by the way, many people share this opinion. On his, this face, is not, on his Facebook page. He didn't come on and say it during a, a, a Major League Baseball broadcast on ESPN. He put it on his Facebook page. Again, to be, if you want to fire him for that, fire him for it. Just understand, I don't have some consistency. I think the the problem that will continue is that the Christian worldview over time, uh, you know, this has been happening for a long time, is going to be pushed out of the main sectors in which other people's views are allowed to be shared. Yeah. And those sectors do not hold to those same values. And so it's going to become harder and harder and harder for people to share, even if, let's say, he, now look, he, it is an, it might be an offensive picture to people, whatever, but let's say it was the kindest, gentlest, nicest message in the world. Right. It would have, it could have still been the same reaction. Yeah. Oh, right? yeah. To oh it. yeah. Yeah. I don't, I think it's the content and what that content means, yep. right? It's, it's the intended meaning of the content, right. not necessarily the offensive wording or right. image that, right. that is pissing people off. Right. And again, I, We've had this debate on other things. When somebody remember when the guy rolled through Chick Fil A and he ridiculed the girl for the company she worked for, the drive-through yes. girl. Yeah. And then he got fired from his job, and people were all up in arms. Hey, you can't get fired. Like, listen, if you 
A company can fire anybody for any reasons, and I stood by that company on their firing of them. I'll stand by ESPN on their right to fire Kurt Schilling. I don't think it was the right thing to do, the right tack to take, but it's your company. Do what you like. But don't don't come out and say fire him for his his beliefs, and then say, by the way, Chris and Billy, your beliefs also are as illegitimate and as evil. Uh, I mean, to 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 do that is is unfair and frankly untrue. But if your guys, if if Kurt Schilling had come out and just been a douchebag, like this guy who was a douchebag to the girl at Chick Fil A, then yeah, you fire him because you don't represent us well. As far as you're just a jerk. But it wasn't Kurt Schilling being a jerk, even though some people might. Yeah, some I mean, people saw him as a jerk, I suppose. But I guess let me just here's a lesson for liberals because I think we need to have this conversation because we've moved into an era where a lot of people, I think conservatives have done their fair amount of judging, yeah. and I'm 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 stereotyping judgmentalism, okay, so judgmentalism, judgmentalism, right? Not uh, an awful treatment of people, including right. gays and lesbians and transgender sure. people, an awful sort of. Um, standard. The standard's not the problem. The ex, how you exercise that standard, how right. you how you treat people because they're yeah. not meeting that standard. That's the problem. Yeah. The right has been guilty of that for years. The left has now taken that spot, taken that position. Oh, by far. They have the power right now. And what I would say to liberals is that if you are going to walk around talking about tolerance, demanding tolerance, asking that everybody tolerate everything that you believe, you have to be open to other people who believe different things, right? right. right. That's not what's happening here. It is about, it's about shutting down free speech. It's about telling yeah. people they're bigots. It's about uh, using bully language. I think it is, bu- it is bully language when your intent is to, I, hate, I don't even like the word bully, but when your intent is to shut them down and ruin their business and right. shut them up. Yep. That's the end of my rant. I just don't like it. <laughs> I don't, yeah, and I don't like it when it comes from either side. I mean, the people who, listen, uh, I, I'm for, if I'm for people, there's been boy, there've been boycotts promoted by, you know, people who say, uh, the National Endowment for the Arts, you know, and there's those be the anti-Christian things, the National Endowment for the Arts, and the boycott of that, or the, the 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 protests about that. That stuff I agree with because that's the government money spending being spent to promote a certain uh, a certain religious viewpoint. Listen, I get that, but the the idea is that we gotta shut down HBO because Bill Maher said something against the Pope. It's like, have you seen what else is on HBO? <laughs> there are bigger issues. You, I think the Pope's okay with it. I mean, the Pope's you know, like Pope, and and so these calls to fire Bill Maher for for what he said on HBO. You know what? Why don't you protest what's actually on HBO rather than what he said on HBO? But the fact I, is, you, you don't. As you know, I pro, I personally protest HBO, right. but I'm not out there by using someone else's account. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, I'm, I'm just not paying into it. That that, that that's the seventy thirty split too. Seventy percent principle, thirty percent cheapness. But right. the the other issue here, I think, is that you know. I'm not going to stop going to Starbucks. Do I understand that they that they match certain contributions to their employees? I like going to Starbucks. I don't. I'm not offended when I walk in. There's nothing I'm seeing that offends me. Right. They're making a choice. I don't agree with that choice. I understand the argument of I'm giving my money to them and they could be giving money to Planned Parenthood. I get that. Right. Uh, but I also get that they are making a product that I like. I know you don't like Starbucks. You think that it's burned coffee, whatever. But that I like. My wife loves it though. Right. And is anybody else making anything better? No. And so at this point, that's where I go. And I'm sorry that that offends some people. I, every time I tweet about Starbucks, I get 50 messages. How can you go there? Right. You know, and it's like, well, I go there because that's what's most convenient. If you want to make a Christian Starbucks, go ahead and do it. And right. if your coffee doesn't taste like garbage, I'll go to it. Right. Yeah. And and, and that's spend it on spend, it's your money just as it's their choice to do what they want. It's your choice to do what you want. I just don't. 
if if I found out that Starbucks was not only you know it was listen there are a lot of companies that give to Planned Parenthood thinking duped into thinking that Planned Parenthood actually does good things, but if I found out that Starbucks says we also we actually have also a line of abortion clinics that we operate okay stop giving money I would stop I would tell my, my tell my different. wife right and we would stop doing that so you got to decide where the line is. I, just, I mean, maybe I, I Starbucks could help them buy a mammogram machine because they can't seem well, they to can't afford seem a mammogram find, They can't seem to find one. <laughs> I mean, there's only se- almost 700 clinics with not one mammogram machine. Wait, did and you... their response, wait a minute, I, I wrote this message. Do you remember this? Yeah. I think I'm going to go there because go it annoys me. Do it. All right. If you are Planned here's what I don't understand about Planned Parenthood. And I'm just going to say, if your argument is that you don't have a mammogram machine because you usually send people to radiology departments and that you would do that in a normal doctor's office. That's a fair argument, but most doctor's offices aren't doing invasive, mm-hmm. uh, you know, medical surgical procedures inside of the doctor's office. Right. So no, I know. that is your or, argument. Or then, selling, then every woman should go to a hospital or selling, ba- or selling baby parts. Allegedly. <laughs> now, do, oh, by anyway, the way, we were, absurd. we were about to get out of here, but uh, did you see the story this week? It was the that that House panel that's investigating Planned Parenthood, and yes. then info came out about uh, there was a memo that came out or an advertisement that came out about these or, this organization that's connected to Planned Parenthood that is indeed se- apparently selling baby parts for a profit. And now, and now, now that this information has come out, like Senator Jean Shaheen from uh, New Hampshire, she's calling this this panel has to be disbanded. I mean, suddenly, this all this information, this proof and evidence is coming out. And now, don't get hardcore pro-abortion because these are people saying, are damn gotta, evil. If you to... think that, <laughs> if you think that, I, there is something wrong with people who can look at a platter of body parts, whether or not you think something should be legal or not, whether or not they're even being sold or not. You can look right. at a platter of human body parts and think that that's okay. There's something wrong yeah. with you. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. It's almost you know, it's demonic. It's it evil. Is. It's, it's terrible. I'm not saying really... these people are demonic, but I'm saying it's no, evil. No, they are. It, it's if coming. You are, if you are uh, so, if you are so, and and by demonic we don't mean possessed by right, Satan, and, right, right. but like that is a demonic stance to have. People who can just say, look at abortion and go, I don't have a problem with that. There is something spiritually wrong with you, or you think abortion is like going out for ice cream. You don't understand what's going on. But right. any human being who knows what is going on in an abortion, right. what is happening yeah. in an abortion. This is not about, I'm not even having the debate about a woman's right, this and that. I'm having the debate about what happens in in, in an abortion. Right. The reason the issue won't go away is because it's a brutal, disgusting practice that, especially late-term abortion, when yeah. we're talking about oh, that, yeah. Oh, yeah. You, know, you know, it's just, it's unbelievable. I just want people to have compassion and say, even if they say they're pro-choice, to say, you know what, it's not just a hard choice, and it's that's actually really a disgusting thing, and I yeah. really sympathize yeah. with why people have a problem. Yeah. That's all yeah. I want to hear. Yeah. Hillary. The, that's right. all I want to hear. Right, but and, and that's like when we had our friend old what's her Bernie. name on when we had a when what, who's the girl we had on? The girl, the lady we had on who's a former Oh, Diane Black. No, no. She, she was a former MTV. She's reality. Oh, Susie star. Meister. Yeah. Susie Meister. We had her on and then explaining the you know, the pro life stance to her. She you know, she had respected, but she still I, I the fact that she still couldn't it still didn't click with her why I had a, a moral problem with it. Like she was, she was understanding of my position, but it still didn't click. And not that I expected to change her mind, but something's got to click there. Some, doesn't there going to be something where you go, 
you know what? I understand that that's really kind of a gross procedure, but all, you know, at least say it's, it is gross. And you look at the body parts, but you know what? All medical procedures are gross. You don't even get that. You don't no, even that's, get the, that's all I'm asking. You don't for. even get that. I'm not that. asking for people to be pro-life. I'm asking for them to understand. Right. If you were showing me open heart surgery, right? I'd say that's gross, but they don't even, I can't even get, they would admit that an open heart, watching an open heart surgery could be gross, but they won't even admit that that abortion thing is gross. It's strange. It really is. It's, it's, and it's, not that I, open hearts, again, we don't need letters. Well, then open heart surgery must be evil because you think it's gross. <laughs> no, dummy. That's not what we're saying. <laughs> How did you read Sarah Rivette's mind? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, it, it's just so... It was so I get far, really so fired up gone. about it the I know, more I, I think too. about it. And it's, you know, you're a Washington one-issue voter. I'm not a one-issue voter. It's the most important issue to me because I think it's the most... Well, I think it's the most important issue, period. And it doesn't mean that I'm the, it's the only issue I consider. I consider. But yeah, anyway. I'll tell you who so, I'm not voting for. Me? Yes. Okay, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we got to go. We got to sign off. We got to get this thing posted and, and get out of here. And um, But he's got to go catch the subway. <laughs> any, uh, any words of advice to the people out there? Bake your biscuits. Baker biscuits, you know, Baker biscuits. What now? What is that a reference to? I actually have no idea, but it might be something bad. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. I was actually thinking about biscuits because we're making them oh. this weekend. But I... were you ever a were you ever um oh a Prairie Home Companion fan? Um, no. Oh, because he has a thing about powder milk biscuits, but mock commercials in there, but. No, you, like I have this ongoing fear in life that everything that I say or tweet is going to be something bad that I'm so naive I don't know. <laughs> is this like an, it's an irrational fear because of all of the crazy like oh, PC yeah. garbage? Oh yeah, yeah. And but as far as I can tell, baking a biscuit's nothing bad. I looked it up. Okay. So bake your biscuits. Okay, bake your biscuits. I it probably is. Okay, so it. we're gonna go, go to ahead Urban and, Dictionary. We're gonna go ahead and go then. Okay, because. <laughs> You know, I just wanted to say one other thing before we go, Billy. Um, I just, I just gotta say, I've been talking with your wife, and you know, <laughs> the Church Boys. <laughs>